Blog Talk Radio.
judgment comes upon the law. No time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk old lies of his age. Feels too smart to believe. Pray for future for the last. Blindly passing, they call you to join them. Fall into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul for a chance to receive his mark. Father, we praise your name. Father, we thank you so much to bring us to another program where we're able to reach out and touch one another in whatever way it is possible. I pray in Jesus' name, Father God, that more people are united behind the advanced understandings of the kingdom. Um, not that we have everything perfect because there's just no possible way that's going to be the case. But we praise you, Father, for leading us down a pathway in our lives that has opened up doorways of understanding and uh, wisdom that could only come from you uh, to help us to be able to stitch together all of the things that are happening across the world, uh, to be able to funnel those down into the, you know, the not, not everything, but a, a very large majority of it, a, a pretty good bunch of it, really, uh, into the Bible and where it fits and, and help us to understand where we most likely are in the biblical end times timeline. Father, we just praise you for giving us the strength that we need to be able to continue on. It is difficult, and for many, many years, your prophets have been uh, sympathetically, it seems like, All right, praise God. I should be live right now. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I guess the um, Skype connection into the central console then uh, down. Uh, hopefully, nothing bad, really bad happened in downtown New York, um, uh, where uh, Cinchcast Broadcasting is located, where the main console, or I don't know if you want to call it the console, but we'll call it the mothership of all things Blog Talk Radio uh, is located. Um, but uh, for some unexplainable reason, right in the middle of the program, we were getting good sound checks as the music was playing then and all of a sudden everybody was like it was all over the place i mean one person was saying oh it sounds just fine another person was going hey your sound just disappeared another person say sounds just fine and then i can't and it was like i don't know why there must be this humongous 
longest delay because it's very difficult for me to get a fast answer, you know, uh, from those who are monitoring the program. But anyway, I did notice I went back and did, did a, I don't know, some double checking, triple checking and said, wait a minute, this little Gigi gadget doesn't look right. And uh, sure enough, it wasn't right. And um, I said, well, something went wrong. So anyway, I'm not going to I'm not going to dwell on that. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, let's just go ahead and get going forward with the program because Gary is very prompt, which I love. And um, uh, I don't want to take any time away from his segment of the program. Praise Jesus. So anyway, on that note, let's just go ahead and blast into the program because we've got a lot to talk about tonight, as usual. Uh, praise Jesus. And, uh, you know, things are moving right along. I mean, none of us can deny any of us that are awake and aware that are paying attention to the things that are going on uh, around the world, uh, the things that we've been talking about endlessly on this program. Uh, you know, if you're aware of those things and you're watching at all now, hey, listen, if you're in the Fourth of July mode and you're like disconnected and having hamburgers and stuff like that with the family, God bless you. I totally agree with that. I could not. I, man, I empathize. I, I want to be you. I want to be you. If there is anybody within an hour's drive of Tampa, Florida, that wants somebody to hang out with for the next couple of days, I'm it. Okay, jbaptist777 at gmail.com. Email me at jbaptist777 at gmail.com. I had two plans, for one for tomorrow, one for uh, the 4th of July, and both of them fell through lickety-split, as usual. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So, And I don't care if you're dragging one leg behind you. I don't care you know, if you're on a walker and have oxygen. It doesn't make it. None of that makes any difference. I just, I'm just getting, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I like to watch, you know, um, 1980s um, funnies, comedies, uh, and I'll buy box sets and stuff to watch them, like Cheers and Frasier and stuff like that, because they're funny and relatively clean, especially compared to today's stuff. But anyway, um, uh, but anyway, I'm getting a little bit bored with that. I want to get out of the house and I don't know, do anything else. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Except for go down and watch fireworks. Forget that. I'm not going to do that because if you had any idea what the Tampa Bay, St. Petersburg area traffic is like for such events, you wouldn't want to go either. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And on that note, kids, are you ready? All right. Kids, why do turkeys say gobble, gobble? Because they never learned any table manners. <laughs> what do you think, kids? Is that a good one or a bad one? Come on, snap out of it. Stop with a delayed reaction, kids. You make me nervous. You make me think all the gizmos and gadgets and wires and cables and schmables are starting to break again. All right, kids. How does a sheep say Merry Christmas? I know we're a little bit early, but sadly, folks, very sadly for so many of us, Yes, yes, it does appear that we are going to have to go through, yes, yes, one more holiday season. Uh, where's that shrimp fork when you need it? How does a sheep say Merry Christmas? Fleece Navidad. <laughs> You know, fleece, like a sheep, you know, has a fleece. Oh, okay. All right. All right. That works for me. I'll take a positive one on that. And kids, what kind of pictures do elves take? What kind of pictures do elves take? I know you're going like, hey, you're pushing the whole Christmas thing a lot, way too early. We still got about six months to go. Actually, it's not really. It's about four months before we start seeing everything starting to, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and are we really going to get that far? I don't know. There's a lot of experts out there that are really starting to change their mind. They're changing their tune. Uh, they're looking at the things that are happening around the world. And I am shocked. Um, I'm 
I don't know if the word shocked is right. I'm surprised. I'm going to play something for you tonight that I think might surprise you too. Kids, what kind of pictures do elves take? They take elfies. Right, kids? Elves take elfies. I'll take it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, looking at the time now, we're doing good. I'm going to play a little bit of this, but not a lot of bit of this, uh, just to kind of get you in. I, I want to comment on it because you may be tuned in, and there may be some confusion that's bubbling up in your head about things uh, based upon things that are being said. So anyways, let, let's just go ahead and double click on this real quick. We're not going to dwell on it. We might spend 60 seconds into it, but then I'm going to do a real quickie comment on it to kind of level set reality a little bit um, because there are an awful, awful lot of people out there that are terribly, terribly confused. Some of them even think they're experts and some of them are even multiple authors of books and it's okay. We'll just leave it at that. All right. Praise God. Let's go ahead. This is from Redacted. Let's go ahead and bring this up. It's an interesting topic to me. And Some huge developments out of the United States here we go. Senate, where U.S. senators appear to be moving forward on getting answers about UFOs and UAPs with a major new bill and huge developments. We wanted to bring in Dr. Michael Sala, uh, one of the world's foremost experts on these government secret programs and UFOs. He writes at ExoPolitics. Org. Doctor, welcome back to the show. Good to see you. Thank you, Clayton. So this bill is pretty big, big developments with this provision of the 2024 uh, Intelligence Authorization Act. What did the Senate bill, this new bill from Marco Rubio and Kirsten Gillibrand, what does it say? What does it demand? Well, it uh, sets out the parameters by which uh, corporations and individuals working in special access programs are going to be allowed to get funding for their, for their participation in those programs as long as they report what concerns uh, UAPs, UFOs, anything involving non-Earth technologies, that they are obliged to report that now to the uh, Arrow Office. That's the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. And All right. So anyway, the only answer I'm going to have to that is this. <laughs> never going to happen. It ain't never going to happen. Bump, bump. It ain't never going to happen. See, this is, this is all just a cloak. It's a bunch of gobbledygook, okay? First off, that's just not how the government works. It never will work that way. It doesn't matter how many bills that they make. It's just, it's absolutely as insane and irrelevant as you can possibly get. The other thing is, um, as much as I appreciate the effort that, uh, you know, the redacted team is trying to make, there are certain subject materials that they're just not really ready to be talking about. Uh, one second they're talking about talking to some FBI guy who's saying that, that the alien invasion is going to be all faked, and then the next second they're talking about the, Dr. Stephen Greer, who knows Dagnabbit well that ain't that, that ain't going to be faked. And you know, and it's, it's just all over the place. And now they're talking to this guy and about special, you know, access to special access programs. And here's the bottom line: they have what's called 
SAPs, which are special access programs, and they do have to get funding, okay? But then they have USAPs, which are unacknowledged special access programs. Unacknowledged special access programs, and there are even another, there's even another type, uh, you know, of, of them that are even, they're known as waived, uh, waived USAPs. Um, they, they have rules theoretically, okay, where they're supposed to, you know, have to report to the Senate Appropriations Committee or the head of the Senate Armed Services Committee or whatever the case is. But if they're not acknowledging them, then what are you going to do? Because they're, they are authorized not to acknowledge them. So if they don't acknowledge them, then what are you going to ask for? It's like doing a FOIA request and say, tell me every time that you've met a giant on a Thursday. Well, that got the guy that you're asking or the, or the agency that you're asking might meet giants every single day. But, that, but if they are authorized to not report, then they are above top secret. They are way above. They are, in, they are way above the, the authorization of the President of the United States. They are way above the Marco Rubios of the world. And besides, let's take a serious look at the reality of, of what's really going on here. Let's back up a little bit and take a quick look. Okay, let's refresh our memory. we got the Ukraine war, nuclear threats, Trump indictment, presidential run, Biden impeachment, Hunter, Hunter Biden horrors, the pedophile network, the Instagram pizza game, controversy, which is not a controversy. It's absolutely horrible, and they should all be thrown in jail forever and ever. Well, actually, worse than that, if, if you ask me. Nuremberg trials is what it needs. Twitter files, censorship industrial complex. What has happened to Twitter files? What has happened? How many people have been placed under arrest? How many people that have been interrogated by uh, the various committees in the uh, House of Representatives that, you know, that were absolutely busted beyond any shadow of a doubt of doing absolutely unacceptable, illegal, felonious things how many have been busted? How many have been arrested? How many have gone to jail? Zero. FBI whistleblowers come forward. They rat out the J6 situation. They tell them that there are so many FBI agents that are involved there instigating the J6 thing that it absolutely proves beyond any shadow of a doubt that a J6 was a false flag and an inside job. What happens? Nothing. Okay, it just keeps on going and going. 2020 uh, bogus, fraudulent election things, Dominion lawsuits, Tucker Carlson's removal. Uh, don't even get going on the woke and the BLM and the LGBT and the uh, uh, children and all. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us all. And the WEF and eating bugs and cyber blackout and the power grid and the next pandemic, the 15-minute cities, the central bank digital currencies, the digital ID, and the FEMA camps. That's just to name a few. They think they're going to do Marco Rubio is going to go flex his muscles and fill out a piece of paper, and they're all of a sudden, they're just going to tell everybody about S4. They're going to go out and tell everybody about the ships that they've captured. They're going to tell everybody about the things that they know. No, of course not. They have the authorization not to, and they won't, no matter what. It's called plausible deniability, and they will say, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. And that's exactly how it works. All right, so anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I just wanted to get that off. If you are, I like Redacted. Don't get me wrong. I like them. But they're, they, they go on. They go in the subject matter that they're just not really ready for. Let's, let's just put it that way, okay? I like, uh, you know, Bobby Kennedy. I like a lot of the things that he says. But he has a very wrongful opinion about the Ukraine war. It's absolutely so bad that I wouldn't vote for him. Um, you, you know, there's just things 
that people they do real good in some areas and they do just real bad. They get F minus minus in other areas. But what are you gonna do? I mean, you know, when when you're one of those people that have been, and I say this very tongue-in-cheeky, um, you know, blessed by, you know, or burdened, depending on how you want to look at it, with the stuff that the Lord has revealed to us over the last 12 years doing this program, um, you know, it, it comes with it a heavy bur- You know, it is a heavy burden. You have to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. Um, it, 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 and, 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 uh, and unfortunately, yeah, you know, you are anointed by God, uh, you know, depending on what the Lord has revealed to, for you to accept in your heart and and you know maybe maybe the lord doesn't say maybe the lord hasn't said to you hey i i totally agree with every single thing that has been said blah, 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 whatever the lord will talk the lord will reveal things to people at the rate of speed that they're able to receive it and quite frankly i can tell you that a lot of material if not the vast majority of material that we cover on this program 99.9999 vinculum percent of the people that listen to it, especially in the first, uh, in their first couple of years or whatever, uh, they're not ready. You know, and you've got to have a foundation to build upon it. The other thing is, the, there's this wild assumption that people make, which I don't understand why, but they do. Do you think that George Nori, when he does Coast to Coast AM, do you think that he agrees with every single thing that every single guest that comes on the radio show says? Do you think he does? Because I think that would be a wrongful thought. Um, I don't agree with everything that every single guest that, that comes on the radio show says. There's a lot of things that Peterson says that I think are way out there. And I, I'm like, you know, I just don't have the time in my work day or my work week to be able to set aside and call up Peterson and say, hey, man, can you hook me up with the article that tells me that, you know, what you said on the radio show? I just don't have time for it. And at the end of the day, we're, we all have to take things to the Lord. We all have to be, you know, some things matter, some things don't. I mean, really, I, I mean, I hate to be so blunt about it, but really, that's really what it, 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 it chisels its way down to does that. Some things matter and some things don't. Some things are speculative and some things aren't. You know, some, sometimes a person says that they believe this or they believe that or in my opinion this or in my opinion that. It's up to each of us to seek the Lord and receive that which we are able to receive, which is exactly why Jesus said over and over and over and over again, if you can receive it. The fact of the matter is Jesus knew in advance that most people would not be able to receive it. That's why he said it. It's okay. He didn't say, if you can't receive it, you're a meathead. If you can't receive it, you're a meatball. You know, he didn't say that. He said, hey, if you can receive it. He never said anything negative about somebody that couldn't receive it. You don't get some sort of a medal in heaven, okay, because you figured some mystery out in the Holy Bible. Now, there have been some testimonies from some people that have been to heaven that suggested that there are perhaps some of some people on the earth that learned certain topic or subject matters pretty well, did a good job of it, and they may actually become some sort of, I don't know, teacher or something on, on some subjects because they were just, you know, ahead of, ahead of their time, if you will. Um, uh, you know, I, so I, I don't know. I don't know. We're all going to have to wait. If anyone thinks they know anything, they know nothing yet as they got to know First Corinthians 8 too. That's what I embrace. I, I want to be the first one to say that, First, I do not agree with everything that every guest comes on the show. 
There are things there. I love all the guests that come on the show. I, I don't. And, and when it comes to Gary, Gary, so far over my head with all the details and the deep dive stuff that he's done, I, I would I don't even I mean, I just accept it. I mean, it, it's it's thoroughly researched and very deep. Um, but, you know, there are some speculatory things that things bring, you know, that people will bring up. Some people will say that they think the locusts look like this or the locusts look like that or the Lord showed them this or the Lord showed them that. Well, and, and I just I bite my tongue. You know, and then eventually I'll get an email from somebody who will say, well, you know, so-and-so was on your radio show and they said this, that, and the other thing. And I just wanted to, you know, and, I, blah, 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 and how come and what's about, what about all this subject and what about all that subject? And I'm like, wait, 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 when did I ever say that I agree with everything that everybody says? I never did. 5,000, actually it was 5,000 radio shows when we did the uh, copyright takedown. And so by now, we're probably at about 6,000 or 6,500, maybe 7,000 radio shows easily. All right. I don't even know how many of them had guests. And of them all, do I agree with every single thing everybody said? That'd be absolutely insane. That would be absolutely insane. And quite frankly, I not, you know, not meaning to, not meaning to, but I have brought guests on that, you know, have written books and things like that. And I would ask them questions and it made them feel uncomfortable. You know, you could just tell in the tone of their voice and the hesitation of their answer that it made them feel uncomfortable that I asked the questions that I did. And that's kind of like a warning sign. I don't want to, I don't want to upset anybody. I don't want to, you know, I'm, I don't ask guests to come on the show because I want to like, you know, bully them and put them in a corner and say, well, what are you trying to say? Are there no such thing as extraterrestrial beings? I mean, are, are all the trillions of galaxies and everything out there completely devoid of life? Of course, I'm not going to say that if they want to take another position or whatever, let them expound upon their position. Praise God. That's fine. You know, one thing that the human race has you know, I don't care if you're full of Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. I, it doesn't make any difference. The one thing that we all have, and we have to fight it, is pride. And the one thing that pride will always do is make you think that planet Earth is special, that we're the only pebbles on the beach, because we have to be after all. We're prideful, and we're big, we're bad, we're everything. See, it, 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 that that's all pride. Whenever we think something that is totally unique to us, and that there's no in the trillions of life forms that are out there, the trillions of galaxies, the multiple universes, versus the untold number of dimensions, and all the other things that are out there that God created, we want to believe that we're it. That's pride. And we're admonished all over the Holy Bible not to have any of that. God does not like pride. So when you remove the pride from things, suddenly you're, the ease at which you're able to accept the, the vastness of the universe and the incredible life forms, and as Peterson puts it, you know, the smorgasbord of life forms that are all out there, and, and, and how privileged you feel that. That humility washes over you. You realize that, hey, we are special, but we're not See, it's it's the idea that we're not the only pebble on the beach that really makes what makes us special, special. Now, I know that might sound like double talk to some people who don't understand where I'm heading with this, but it's something that I had to learn. Once you realize how big this really is and you humble up, 
It expands everything, and it makes you go, wow, who art man that God is mindful of him? And then when you get your arms around it, and you realize how big the universe is, you realize about the trillions of life forms and the multiple multiverses and all the other things that come into play to our very existence and our eternity with Jesus. It, it doesn't matter to you that some of the people that are on planet heaven that come up to you and that know you and have known you since before the, 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 the foundations of the earth that have known you and you don't know who they are, but they know who you are. And then you start to piece it together and you realize it has to do with our pre-existence. And it gets very exciting because then that expands everything 10,000 times bigger than it would have been otherwise. Who would think that all of eternity would be spent with only the people that you are related to right now on planet Earth? That sounds kind of snoozing boring to me. I don't know about you. What I'm excited about is what we don't know about, and I'm excited about what we're going to have, what God has in store for us. Praise God over all of eternity, and it's big. And until we open up our hearts and our minds and we understand that God is that great, he is that amazing, and that this creation is so humongous, and when we get that around, and oh my gosh, and then when your heart is open to it and you are receiving it, it is amazing because all the testimonies of people like Odin Hedrick and Dimitri Duneman and the different, oh my gosh, and you start to hear little things that they say that nobody else notices, and then you're like, hey, Captain Dale Black and how he said everything, all the lights were flying, flying, uh, flying past him so fast it felt made him, you know, he, he made some sort of an off comment, it almost looked like he was going through outer space or something like that, and I'm like thinking, dude, you were, praise God, but you know, it, it's just like, you know, but it's just how it is. You have to get to a place where you are like, wow, wow, because then it builds and it builds and it builds. And you hear more testimonies and you're like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, and, and you're like, this is, this really is 10,000 times bigger than I could have ever imagined. And how special are, do you feel when you realize it really is that big and you're a part of it? That transforms that pridefulness that makes you think that we're the only pebble on the beach. Because once you realize you're not, it expands the awesomeness of what we are to become. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So I kind of tongue in cheek, I kind of smile as I watch people slowly start to unravel these things. And, well, you know, it's like, you know, anyway, um, you know, it, 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 little by little. I, it's funny. Today I watched uh, uh, appropriately because it's still the Fourth of July week and I still got tomorrow and the next day off. Like I said, my all my plans fell through and I even bought, you know, jumbo. Um, I what do you, the big, the really big buns and the tomatoes and everything to make giant, you know, and hamburgers and everything by the, on the grill and all that kind of stuff. And then, turns out, uh, the person that was going to be here is not going to be here. So anyway, they have to run off and do another job that they have. Whatever. It's just this, the way things always work out. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now. The next thing I'm going to share with you is extremely important. I believe, personally, this is me, I believe this is the most important audio bite that uh, of tonight and possibly of several shows put together. As a matter of fact, right now I'm actually scrolling up to where I stick what I call keepers. Um, ones that I've got to keep because they're that important, and I'm making a copy of it so I have 
um, it at my disposal deep into the future. <laughs> Whatever that means, right? All right, praise God. But this, now, I have the greatest of respect for this person. He has a doctor's, doctorate degree. Uh, he has an unimpeachable military record. Um, he has the innate ability to look beyond politics, to look beyond um, all the noise and nonsense and backslapping and stuff that goes on in Washington, D.C., and to be able to look at the reality and say, look, no, the, the, the you know, they're not, General Petraeus is not telling the truth. This person is not telling the truth. This is what's actually going on. You people need to know these things. Um, you know, and, and I have the utmost respect for Colonel um, Douglas McGregor. What I discovered over the last couple of days is McGregor – I kind of suspected it, but I didn't really know, and I never got a confirmation. But evidently, he knows a lot more than I realized, which – and he kind of lets it a little bit of the cat out of the bag here in this uh, uh, very short commentary. Let's listen to this. Here he comes. You're absolutely right. I don't think we'll ever get to the 2024 election. I think things are going to implode in Washington before then. I think our economic financial condition is fragile. It's going to come home to roost in ugly ways. I will tell you, I don't know exactly how it will happen. I think we're going to end up in a situation where we find out the banks are closed for two or three weeks and nobody can get into them. Do you think so? I think we're going to run into something like that, yeah. I also think that the levels of violence and criminality in our cities are so high that it's going to spill over into other places in society. People that normally think they can live remote from the problem are now beginning to be touched by the problem. Then I look at this thing in Ukraine. I think Ukraine is going to lose catastrophically. It's going to be a complete collapse. And that, too, is going to have an effect here at home because people are going to say, well, wait a minute. Everybody told us Ukraine was winning. Everybody told us X, Y, and Z. I mean, sort of the, the Russian hoax on steroids. All of those things are going to come together or converge in some way that's going to prevent us from reaching, you know, the status quo, oh, another election, oh, another set of campaigns, and so forth. Okay, now I don't know. Did you pick all that up? Okay, so he, he really doesn't think that we're going to make it to the 2024 election. In fact, he even implies things are going to get really bad here in the United States. That's worth listening to again, I think. I'm going to listen again. Right. I'm going to listen again. Here we go. You're absolutely right. I don't think we'll ever get to the 2024 election. I think things are going to implode in Washington before then. I think our economic financial condition is fragile. It's going to come home to roost in ugly ways. I will tell you, I don't know exactly how it will happen. I think we're going to end up in a situation where we find out the banks are closed for two or three weeks and nobody can get into them. Do you think so? I think or we're going to run into something like that, yeah. I also think that the levels of violence and criminality in our cities is so high that it's going to spill over into other places in society. People that normally think they can live remote from the problem are now beginning to be touched by the problem. Then I look at this thing in Ukraine. I think Ukraine is going to lose catastrophically. It's going to be a complete collapse. And that, too, is going to have an effect here at home because people are going to say, well, wait a minute. Everybody told us Ukraine was winning. Everybody told us X, Y, and Z. I mean, sort of the, the Russian hoax on steroids. 
all of those things are going to come together or converge in some way that's going to prevent us from reaching, you know, the status quo, oh, another election, oh, another set of campaigns, and so forth. All right, praise God. Uh, the next one up is I'm just going to go ahead and play this because it segues very nice into a little reminder uh, audio bite that I'm going to play as a follow-up to it, which is very relevant. Uh, and this is Trump. Uh, now, what he's doing, what Trump is doing is he's coming out, he's doing these little audio bites uh, in chunks. Okay, so he takes this one subject, he goes after it, and he grabs it by the throat and starts beating the head of, of the subject right into the ground. Okay, so he, you know, if anyway, so we'll, let's listen to this. In this particular case, he is talking about uh, tr- trans, you know, uh, trans stuff, you know, Michael Obama crap. Uh, forgive me if you don't like the word crap. You can call it uh, abominations. How about that? We'll call it abominations. Uh, but anyway, uh this is his commentary. I'm going to play this, and then I'm going to play the follow-up, which I played on the prior show, but I think the relevance of side-by-side side is very important. So anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Now, let me go ahead and line up my cursor, bring it up. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Ready, get set. Boom. The left-wing gender insanity being pushed on our children is an act of child abuse. Very simple. Here's my plan to stop the chemical, physical, and emotional mutilation of our youth. On day one, I will revoke Joe Biden's cruel policies on so-called gender-affirming care. Ridiculous. A process that includes giving kids puberty blockers, mutating their physical appearance, and ultimately performing surgery on minor children. Can you believe this? I will sign a new executive order instructing every federal agency to cease all programs that promote the concept of sex and gender transition at any age. I will then ask Congress to permanently stop federal taxpayer dollars from being used to promote or pay for these procedures and pass a law prohibiting child sexual mutilation in all 50 states. It will go very quickly. I will declare that any hospital or health care provider that participates in the chemical or physical mutilation of minor youth will no longer meet federal health and safety standards for Medicaid and Medicare and will be terminated from the program immediately. Furthermore, I will support the creation of a private right of action for victims to sue doctors who have unforgivably performed these procedures on minor children. The Department of Justice will investigate Big Pharma and the big hospital networks to determine whether they have deliberately covered up horrific long-term side effects of sex transitions in order to get rich at the expense of vulnerable patients, in this case, very vulnerable. We will also investigate whether Big Pharma or others have illegally marketed hormones and puberty blockers, which are in no way licensed or approved for this use. My Department of Education will inform states and school districts that if any teacher or school official suggests to a child that they could be trapped in the wrong body, they will be faced with severe consequences, including potential civil rights violations for sex discrimination and the elimination of federal funding. As part of our new credentialing body for teachers, we will promote positive education about the nuclear family, the roles of mothers and fathers, and celebrating rather than erasing the things that make men and women different and unique. I will ask Congress to pass a bill establishing 
that the only genders recognized by the United States government are male and female, and they are assigned at birth. The bill will also make clear that Title IX prohibits men from participating in women's sports, and we will protect the rights of parents from being forced to allow their minor child to assume a gender which is new and an identity without the parent's consent. The identity will not be new, and it will not be without parental consent. No serious country should be telling its children that they were born with the wrong gender, a concept that was never heard of in all of human history. Nobody's ever heard of this, what's happening today. It was all when the radical left invented it just a few years ago. Under my leadership, this madness will end. Thank you very much. All right. Praise God. All right. So right after that, I'm now going to play the audio clip that I displayed last uh, show, which is apropos and relevant. And here we go. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Standing by and pulling it up. Here we go. You're going to succeed to prevent him from running. I mean, they're succeeding in a civil war in, right now in Russia. I mean, yeah, the globalist hijacked the most powerful country in the world with all our ingenuity and all our money and all our power, and the world's in deep trouble. Um, and, and again, it's not like I'm saying China or Russia are good either. It's just it's, it's just a monstrous situation. And if people don't get serious to get out of their comfort zones, uh, yeah, I think they'll. I mean, I think they're going to demonize him and die him and die him and die him and die him. And then I I think they'll blow his airplane up. I, I really, at a gut level, believe they're going to kill Trump. Who's this? Trump. Uh, I mean, I mean, I believe the deep state establishment will murder him. I mean, I believe he's going to steadfast go through all this. You know, he'll be, he'll be 30 points ahead in the primaries. Nothing's going to stop him. And then they just, uh, you know, he dies of a heart attack or because they poison him or they blow his airplane up. And I think, and, and Trump, by the way, has talked to Roger and others and said, "I'm ready to die. I'm committed. I'm going all the way." So you think, you think if they, if they, you know, you're saying they're going to do that, they would have already done it. Like, why haven't they already done it? Because no, that just, turns him into a martyr, and, they, and they'd rather assassinate the they person. That, they yeah. saw how, what JFK did to him. I mean, this will be 50. I mean, look, they are not the higher-ups, and some of their smarter ones are not stupid. They're like, if we, if we kill him, it'll cause way bigger problems down the road. Don't do it. But before they let him get in charge and prosecute them, which Trump said he will, he goes, I'm getting in, I'm gonna, I'll be destroyed, and he'll be destroyed with me, or they'll be destroyed. It's a death battle. This isn't like some cage fight with Zuckerberg, and everybody's like, oh, Zuckerberg and, and Elon Musk, biggest thing ever. Yeah, great. Two modern emperors, tech titans. When Rome was collapsing, they had emperors as gladiators. Now, the movie Gladiator is actually, again, a composite of a bunch of true stories. That really happened. And, and the whole point is, while we're all watching this stupid stuff in the submarine and the gladiators, literally the president who uh, I, I believe won the election, I'm not supposed to say that, oh, you know, he, he barely lost, um, Trump. Now to have them put him in jail so he can't vote for him or whatever, it's just not going to fly. It's not going to happen. And so, but, but at the same time, you saw what Comey and others said on TV. Well, whatever we do, we got to stop him. Yep. He can't be allowed in because he'll put us in prison. And remember, you can pull this clip up. Biden said um, last December, like December 13th, I put the clip last week on my show, he said repeatedly, uh, Biden says we will not allow Trump to be president again. And he says, we'll use whatever we have to with law enforcement and the Constitution to make sure he's not president. And he just laughs arrogantly. He's like, <laughs> people are like, hey, what about Hunter? He's like, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's lunacy. Uh, but, but time's running out. So they still have the power. They're still the executive in control. So if you're the guy with the doomsday button, you can hit it. You think you win, but you blow yourself up at the same time. Yep. So 
they will, they've already destroyed themselves. The only question is, can they take us with them? All right. Praise God. Yep. So it is just that bad. And so we're just going to have to hang out and uh, keep on praying. Keep on pray for the lost. Pray for the lost. Pray for the lost. Sow into the kingdom. Change people's lives. Buy their groceries. Do good things. Do kind things. Do the kind of things that our Father loves. And that's where we need to be spending our time. Not worrying about whether or not this, that, or the other thing is going to happen. God will take care of it. God will take care of us. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Hallelujah. Here we go. All right, French police say we are at war with vermin as they are threatened, as they threaten revolt over rioting. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I'm just going to say I've got a couple of headlines here, but let me just try to. Okay, so we've got this racial riot. We've got this uh, jihad going on. We've got Muslims that are uh, rioting uh, like has never been seen in the history of the world that I am aware of uh, in France. France is on fire all over the place. It's way worse than it was the last iteration. The last iteration, everybody was going, oh, this is the second uh, French Revolution everything. This is way, way worse. Matter of fact, it's uh, spilled over now into Brussels, which is Belgium, just up the road. <clears throat> and then uh, also into Switzerland, and um, uh, and I think it's reasonable. I, now I know there are also some very fiery riots going on in Germany as well. Uh, maybe not directly related, you know, to to uh, any any you know. It may not be Muslim uh, oriented. I don't know, but it's a combination of anti WEF, anti Macron, anti this, anti that, and then on top of it all, they've got the Muslims coming out and doing this jihad thing on top. And let me tell you something, folks. They got automatic weapons. They're shooting the police dead. I mean, this is on a whole nother level of rioting. Okay, this is beyond what we have seen historically. Okay, and and it is absolutely out. Of control. As a matter of fact, I was speaking to Sister Paula uh, in um, uh, Grasse, France, uh, and uh, she's she's been a long time listener of the program, and um, we've been you know talk every day, and um, they've cut cut them off. They've, I said, I sent her several links, and I said, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? And she's like, everything I click on, I get an error. Everything I click on, I get an error. I'm like, oh, they're already blocking you. And sure enough. Um, Macron has come out with a proclamation and said, we are going to shut down the Internet. We're going to shut down everything. We're going to. So they're already blocking Twitter just outright because anything has to do with Twitter. So what I had to do is I had to take actual photographs, snapshots, okay, screenshots of the headlines of the things that were happening all over France. Because here here's a woman who who's lived in France for like forever and um, uh, is completely unaware of the fact that her country is on fire. Okay, because she just happens to be located in a particular town that's far enough away uh, that, you know, no word has traveled there. Okay, and they're blocking it all. They don't want the people. They, it, 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 you know, they're trying to get control of the situation, and they can't. I mean, it's just as simple as that. They just can't get control of the situation. All right, and uh, the next couple of headlines kind of go hand in hand with uh, that little, you know, baseline that I established right there. All right, praise God. So the next one up, praise Jesus, is... French rioters filmed brandishing military-grade weapons as undress goes. So what they're saying is, as they were uh, filming, you know, all sorts of people all over the place, the people that are involved in the various riots that were taking place all over the country. And if you saw a map of where all these fiery riots, I mean, it makes the Black Lives Matter, George Floyd stuff that was happening in the United States of Babylon the Great look like a really, really good Easter egg hunt. 
I mean, the stuff that's going on over there is absolutely unbelievable. All right, it is violent, it is real, and they are using machine guns. And there is a lot of uh, people out there that are str- of, of a strong belief that many, uh, a very large majority, if not the vast majority, of the automatic weapons and such that have infiltrated their way into France, into the hands of the jihadists, etc., etc., have come from the black market at the Ukraine. So, again, does that make sense? Yes, of course it does. Is it a fact? I don't know that anybody's proven it, but things are absolutely out of control in France. It is bad. All right, the riots across France right now, there are 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43. 46, 47, 48, 49, 50. There's at least 50 major towns and cities in France that are literally on fire. I mean, from end to end, on fire. Explosions, automatic weapons fires, police getting done, gunned down in the streets, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of uh, uh, you know, um, accoutrements, uh, accoutrements and implements that are associated with war on both sides, the police side, the government side, and there's even been some word uh, that has leaked out through Twitter, uh, through some of the people that are involved or actually on the street, uh, whereby they're making claims, claims like the police in some places are actually beginning to side with the riot, with, with, with the rioters, with the French. Okay, so again, where does that go? All right, and we don't know. And then, of course, what about the bleed over into to Belgium, into Brussels? What about the bleed over into uh, Germany? To what degree is it? And to what degree is it just Germany compl- you know, doing their own rights for their own purposes? And then what about the stuff that's going on in Switzerland? And the stuff that's going on in Switzerland, why don't they find Klaus Schwab while they're over there? And just kind of like bring him into the party. I think that would be very appropriate. All right. Anyway, praise God. But vengeance is God, saith the Lord. All right. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. The next one up. The Gateway Pundit says it begins France to shut down the Internet in certain neighborhoods to prevent use of social media to organize violence. Okay, and it goes on. It begins France to shut down the Internet in certain neighborhoods to prevent use. I am here to tell you that it is not going to be certain neighborhoods. It is going to be all of the country of France. It is already happening. I have already confirmed it. I have had the conversation with the people that are way far away from where the fires are. They do not see the smoke. They do not smell the smoke, but they're not able to access Twitter. And I show them the proclamation that came down out of the government, out of Macron's office. Uh, you know, it was all in French. I didn't know what it said. I gave it to Paula, and Paula said, this is really bad. Okay, so she thinks it's going to make things ten times worse than they already are. I don't know, because I couldn't read it. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. The next one up. Jim Ferguson on Twitter Bob publishes uh, a tweet that says, riots are now breaking out in Belgium, uh, Brussels, as huge numbers of migrants begin, migrants, 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 these are the uh, jihadis, okay, that begin to loot and burn the city. Police are mobilizing massive reserves to try to quell the uprising, but it looks like another European Union state is about to go up in flames. Okay, then I have in the show notes here, security reinforced sweet roots. I don't know. I, I used to be able to pronounce French. I could, re- I could read it right off the page almost flawlessly, but it's been so long now, I probably just absolutely trash it. All right, but anyway, yeah, the, the proclamation is out of the office of the government, and they're, they're telling everybody this is what we're going to do, and, um, you know, 
What does it mean? I, I think really at the end of the day, as a matter of fact, the next little ditty here that was published is about that. It says France full lockdown tomorrow, including an Internet blackout. France is about to go into a full lockdown with full Internet blackout tomorrow. You have until midnight to prepare food, water, and supplies. Uh, it says shooting the 17-year-old boy was the way to slip this in. And they did have an event where a 17-year-old boy was protesting whatever got shot, and et cetera. Of course, that adds insult to injury. And then you throw in the you know jihadi stuff, and oh, my gosh, it's just about as bad as it can possibly get. And the next one up is Kim.com making a comment, which, by the way, is right on the money. And let's go ahead and share that. He says, warning, the Ukrainian counteroffensive failed miserably. The United States needs a massive false flag to keep the war going, something like that, Some, uh, something that affects NATO countries directly, like a cloud of nuclear radiation. If, like they, like a, if, for example, if they were to blow up the Zaporizhna uh, uh, nuclear power plant and blame it on Russia, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of speculation out there. We all know it. We know we need to Pearl Harbor here in the United States of Babylon the Great. We know that they need to Pearl Harbor over in Europe to really jettison things forward. We know that the shape-shifting reptilians that are running the world right now, these sick, twisted, evil, blood-drinking, baby-killing... Anyway, at the end of the day, we know what their agenda is, and that's to slaughter people. And there's no better way to slaughter people than, than to get them to slaughter each other. Yep. All right, next one up. Unrest reaches Belgium. Video shows Brussels. And, of course, this particular video does show, in fact, a particular street in Brussels that's got a lot of fire going on, uh, a lot of cars on fire, a lot of things. I don't know what that is in the middle of the street, but it, it kind of looks like a person. Uh, I hope it isn't. But anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. A lot of bad. Oh, oh, oh. And if that wasn't bad enough, Switzerland. The European Union coup has now spread to Switzerland. It has started in Switzerland, too, in Lausanne, 20 minutes away from my hometown, this person says. And, of course, in this particular video, I don't know what, what you're going to hear from this, but I'll go ahead and play the audio. It's just going to be a bunch of people fussing, probably. Here we go. Lausanne, Switzerland. All righty then, and more Switzerland action. Here we go. Let's pull this up. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All righty then. So all kinds of things going on over in Europe. All right. Military is mobilizing in Switzerland. And according to this particular uh, video, I don't know what they're saying, but they are. I can tell you that they're looking out their window of their apartment and they are coming on commenting on the fact that there are tanks and other military equipment going there's tanks and Humvee-like things, all kinds of personnel carriers. It'll be funny if somebody speaks Swiss and they call me up and they're like, you know what they were saying? They were saying Santa Claus is coming to town. All right, praise God. Next one up. 
right, Jim Ferguson on Twitter publishes, uh, as riots continue to engulf France, look to the Netherlands. Mass protests are likely as the Dutch Prime Minister Rutt has been instructed by Klaus Schwab, the German chairman of the World Economic Forum and self-appointed New World Order leader, to seize 3,000 privately owned farms and remove the farmers from their homes, despite them owning and living there for generations. The reasons that have been identified are to take the land for migrants, 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 to be housed as there are further plans for more mass migration. Many young farmers have been driven to suicide. Next one up. Wikipedia has officially deemed this the European Civil War of 2023. So now we have an actual official post on Wikipedia about the European Civil War of 2023. And it is talking about the stuff that's going on that we're talking about right now, France, Belgium, and Switzerland. Are they going to add more to this? I suspect so. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, what's really fascinating is, did you know that seven years ago, Donald Trump basically pulled a Simpsons uh, prophetic event and made a comment about France? This is from seven years ago. Let's listen to this. I find this very fascinating. Here we go get worse and it's going to start getting bad in our country we're letting people come in by the tens of thousands you see what happened to the french priest a friend of mine he said he was going to france like three four months ago i saw him yesterday i said how'd you like france he said i wouldn't go to france i wouldn't go to france because france is no longer france Now, that's from seven years ago. That's very fascinating. Now, here's another uh, audio bite that leaked out, supposedly. And uh, again, to to validate and verify, I can't do that. What I can do is let you know that it has been published on Rumble anonymously, and it does sound like they captured some commentary by this entity that refers to itself as Biden, uh, saying that there is an imminent banking collapse that is about to happen at any moment. Let's take a quick listen to this, and then we're going to jump over to Gary. Our state. We may not be able to prevent a collapse, but if we work together, we can limit the fallout for us and preserve the continuity of government. All right, so if we work together, we may not be able to prevent a collapse, but, you know, blah, 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 continuity of government, this, that, and the other thing. So they're basically talking behind the scenes, and some of the tapes are leaking out, uh, that they're pretty sure that there is going to be a collapse. And, well, do any of us doubt it for a second? Of course we don't. It's in the Bible. It's called the third seal. Praise God. All right. Now, I will also let you know, but I want to get over to Gary. I will also let you know, and I'll play some of these audio bites on the next show, uh, that there has been a massive uh, uh, pipeline leak. Uh, Chemicals have been shooting up into the air. Really, really bad stuff all over Michigan, all over Illinois, all over that part. There is so much evidence. It's unbelievable. And evidently, it is uh, dinitrogen textroxide that has been the chemical smell. I have uh, um, uh, evidence from three different individuals, one of them with a particulate meter uh, that it, it look, doesn't look cheap. And uh, he's he's like, let's just say that the readings that he was getting right outside of his home, it was telling him 
get out of town. <laughs> okay, go back in your house, close the windows. This is bad. Okay, and so there's been a plastic chemically smell all over that area. And, of course, everyone's just telling them, oh, it's the forest fires in Alberta and all that. Kind of, and, and people are on to them. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, on that note, let's go ahead and bring on Brother Gary Wayne, which, by the way, if, I, uh, if my hunch is correct, uh, his new book has, uh, well, if it hasn't been released already, it's on the very verge of it. Praise Jesus. And let's go ahead and bring him on live now. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, this is a once in a lifetime thing with Brother Gary. Um, we don't have him in the call doc, which is very unusual. And what I can try to do is see if I can call his phone now, because, um, you know, Gary's clockwork. You can set your watch to Gary. Gary, he's, like, amazing. All right, so anyway, so let me, let me just go ahead and see if I can dial him in, dial him in just in case we had a kind of like a, a surprise like we had at the beginning of the show where I just dropped off. All right, hold on a second. Uh, doop, 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 doop. See if I got that right. All right, praise God. And I'll hit dial. Please don't say the number. Some, I hate it when I dial these things and then they repeat the number back. All right, supposedly dialing it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. I think I got him. Brother Gary, are you there? Gary, are you there? Okay, I'll try one more time. Brother Gary, can you hear me? Okay. This is very strange. All right, so I'll go ahead and put that back on mute. I feel strongly that that is Gary's line, but I don't know why he wouldn't be able to hear me. Uh, Justin, can I get a sound check? Jim, Jim, can I get a sound check? I need a sound check. I need a sound check because we're having some little technical difficulties here bringing Brother Gary on the line. Um, I'll take one from Justin. I'll take one from Jim. I'll take one from Vera. Anybody. I'll even go back over to my emails and we'll look. And I don't have anything from emails. For all I know, I'm not even broadcasting. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. According to Sister Vera, we're all good. All right. I'll jump back over to the program thing here and see if I can bring Brother. I think this is Gary, but I don't know. Let me try again. Hold on. Okay, Brother Gary, are you there? Hey, I knew that was I your am. line. You hear me yes, now? we are. Perfectly. You sound great. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a really strange. <laughs> We've been having well, really strange anyway, sounds things like we're coming through. It's all night. It's been all night, man. I, I was like, I was like deep into the front, the it's beginning of the show. Right. I'm like five to eight minutes. Yeah, I'm five to eight minutes into the show, and all of a sudden, I'm getting people who are like, "We don't hear anything. We don't hear anything. You're not even live." And I'm like, going, what? <laughs> so anyway, sorted that mess out. But hey, glad glad you are on. And if I understand, and I might not, but if I understand properly, you may have your new book almost ready to go to go, you know, for, for people to get a hold of. Is that right? Looking for August or September, we have a cover design that's complete, and. Uh, I sent, uh, sent you what it's going to look like, so I'm pretty excited at, uh, at how we arrived at the cover design. We're, 
just finishing the editing process right now. So I'm doing the final scan and and then I'll go to the proofreaders and then hopefully into the uh, printing queue. So looking for August or September, but we'll see what happens, but we're on track and uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's called the Genesis Six Conspiracy Part Two, How Understanding Prehistory and Giants Helps to Define End-Time Prophecy. And, and this book is specifically targeted at Christians because, you know, the thing is, as I said, would never write a sequel to the Genesis 6 conspiracy, but I had so much contact with people emailing me, Messenger, all sorts of social media on shows that they really like the Genesis 6 conspiracy, but they really wanted somebody to go super deep in the Bible. And so I thought the other thing that really seems to be part of the missing sort of piece of the puzzle for a lot of Christians is that the understanding of prehistory is uh, is an important piece to understanding end time prophecy. So that's all incorporated into the book. So this book is targeted at Christians. It goes through all the different tribes of giants, all of the hybrid giants talked about in the Bible. It goes into the angelic hierarchy. It uh, highlights the words and the allegories that you're going to need for end time prophecy. And then it starts to transition into end time prophecy and starts to lay down a chronology for you for end time prophecy, but using all of that information that we talked about in the first part of the book. So yeah, looking for August, September. So thanks for the for the opening for me on that. Appreciate it. That's awesome. And so tonight's thanks. show. Yeah. Yeah. So looking and you, you, you know you want to be proud of sort of the book that you're writing you're writing and, and, and putting out. And so what I like is that I really like what I'm reading, and I probably read it for like a dozen times minimum on a, on a complete basis. So you would think you might get a little bit bored with it, but it's like, yeah, I like how this is put together, and I think it's I think it's going to be what people were asking for. So that's awesome! Praise God! So tonight right, we're going well, to be I'm talking about. I'm sorry. I was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to grab my uh, virtual folding chair and disappear in the background. It's all yours, Gary. Thank you very much. God bless you. (laughs) So we're going to talk tonight, uh, chapter 44 from the first book, the Genesis six conspiracy part one, as I'll have to start referring to it now, how uh, secret societies and the descendants of giants plan to enslave humankind. And this is the, for me was one of my more favorite chapters that I did in my book and even though it was really important to me to sort of get out the information in this book um, in in, in this book about uh, Babylon um, and that's what the chapter is called Babylon City chapter 44 because I thought there was a lot of information that people weren't really sort of connecting and to understand the entire picture and one of the things I didn't realize again was is how many different views there might be on what Babylon is. And so even though I think this is a very, very good chapter, uh, it's so important that I go very deep into the Bible. So what we're going to cover tonight is very, very good, but in the new book it goes into it in ways that you haven't uh, seen before and I'll throw in a few things tonight that will be kind of reflective of that in case you have read chapter 44, Babylon City. So on with uh, chapter 44. So Babylon 
just like you know, prophecy um, is kind of mysterious for a lot of people. The Book of Revelation is even more mysterious, if I could put it that way. And yet, Babylon is is one of the more mercurial parts of the Book of Revelation, and. There are so many different theories out there on what Babylon is and where it is located. And, you know, obviously nobody will really know until we actually see it. But I think that what happens with Babylon is we get down too far on trying to overlay our preconceived ideas on what Babylon is and or we leave that out all, you know, the rest of the information that goes with it that will help guide us. So anytime that we get an aspect of Babylon, people might sort of point to uh, a particular city or a particular country or a particular location and say, because it's Babylon-like, this is Babylon. So it's either Babylon or it isn't. And even though you can't look into the future based on who you're guessing, I think when we dig deep into the Bible that we find that Babylon has uh, a lot of information. Uh, it's going to be very, very important as part of the fig tree generation. We haven't seen it yet. I think we're seeing it starting to rise, but uh, we're still in the sorrows if we are indeed in the fig tree generation, and I think we are. So Babylon, just want to throw it out that it is four different aspects that we have to understand it as. And I might even call it a fifth aspect uh, that, I'll, that I'll throw in as well. But uh, some think it's an empire. Some people think it's a country. Some people think it's a city. Some people think it's a religion. Some think people think it's a system. Well, it's kind of all of those things. And we have references in the Bible that point that out. And they all work perfectly with the other descriptions about Babylon. We have to sort of understand Babylon in a larger scale. We need to understand it in a global scale, that this is going to be something um, unlike anything that we've seen except in a beast empire that would be ruling over the civilized nations or the recognized world at that time. So when I talk about a beast empire, I'm using the allegory for beast, but I could have just as easily said metallic based on Daniel 2, but beast empire is the reference in Daniel 7 for the four beast empires that are being prophesied by Daniel with the exception of Assyria and Egypt that came before. Obviously, it's not part of a prophecy, which is in the future. Uh, and the same number of empires that are in Daniel 8 is just providing more information with, with another uh, set of allegories and, and prophetic allegories I like to talk about as it's talking about the Greek empire. So you have seven beast empires, and you have an eighth, which is what Antichrist will be. And Antichrist will take over from Babylon in Revelation 17. Well, the ten kings of the beast empire hand their power over to Antichrist, that infamous hour, that hour of temptation, the hour of trial, the hour of the time of the two witnesses and the resurrection, the hour of the destruction of Babylon. So I'm talking about the same sort of time frame. You just have to let the Bible put it together for you. So we need to understand it in four aspects. And I call it a beast religion or a beast 
thing that is kind of separate and distinct from the empires, but it is part of the beast empires and has been part of the hierarchical structure throughout the beast empires, just as it will be again in the end time. So when we see Babylon um, riding the beast of empires that has the seven great empires that we talked about just a couple of minutes ago, she's holding the reins to those empires. It's riding it. It is controlling it. It is the major piece that that beast empire is centered around, is that mystical kind of religion. So what we have in Babylon, we're going to cover this often as I walk through the chapter, um, it is a religion, as we've talked about. It is a geopolitical organization, as we talked about, in controlling the empires. And it is a commerce and trading empire, and it is also a city. And those are the things that we need to sort of tie in to uh, Babylon if we're going to understand it in its totality because it, it is really something that's unimaginable that's coming and something that I don't think people are quite ready for in terms of its complete control and uh, how it's going to absolutely seduce the world. So, so, uh, and it's going to take its false prophets to do that, to bring it to power, but we need to understand what it is first. So when I open up the chapter um, in, in chapter 44, I'm going to quote uh, Babylon's cities, uh, Revelation 18.10, and it says in the New International Version, it says, Woe, woe, O great city, O Babylon, city of power, in one hour your doom has come. And that is the same word as as, as is used in the KG version of woe, woe, it'll say alas, alas. And it goes back to the same Greek word. So it's just how you want to translate it. So it's not that one translation is more correct than the other. But I like the woe, woe aspect because this is part of the three woes. So we talked about the woe kind of from an extension of the hour of trial. So that's when the second woe passed, when the beast that comes up by the earth is going to um, kill the two witnesses. That's the second woe. The first woe is when the abyss is open. Destruction of Babylon is part of the third woe. When you get um, woe, woe, or alas, alas, used in Revelation 18, 10, 16, and 19, and it's used twice, three times. The other part of the third woe is in Revelation 12, and that's when the devil and all the angels are cast down to the earth after the war in heaven. Uh, so woe to the earth. And at that time is the time of Antichrist coming to power in that hour that we talked about. And we'll receive the power from the Ten Kings in exchange for destroying Babylon. And we'll set up its own religion for the last three and a half years. So that's part of the three woes. And it's a very important to understand not only the chronology of end-time prophecy, but how the various narratives, and in this case, Babylon interacts with the overall chronology, but in a perfectly synchronized manner, if you if you let it. So, Babylon is, um, as I said, one of the most misunderstood aspects of prophecy in in 
in the Bible. The word Babylon comes from the Greek word Babylon, and it's rooted in the Hebrew word Babel. And so Babel is in the Tower of Babel. And so this was the first first kingdom, first kingdom city of Nimrod. And of course, Nimrod is the progenitor to, you know, the Akkadians and the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And so you get coming out of the extension of Babylon, these empires. And Babylon, um, rooted in Babel, where Nimrod was the first king. And he held sway over all of the Noahites, so all of the humans at that time. He was an antichrist-like figure who introduced a mystery religion, Enochian mysticism, as we've talked about in past shows. That gets a restart at Babel. And it comes with great knowledge, and knowledge that may even uh, intended to make Babel into some sort of technical portal uh, as it's translated in a language that sort of descends of Nimrod and, and his empires in Akkadian, it is Bab as in gateway or portal, and and El as in God or Babalu as it's understood coming out of the Mesopotamian transliteration. So when Nimrod in his legends and his mythos is wanting to go into heaven and to overthrow God, if he gets out of hand again, he's that's what Antichrist does in Daniel 8 at the time of Revelation 12 and the time of the third woe. Uh, Babylon has destroyed it. And in Daniel 8.10, he actually throws some of the starry hosts down. And so Nimrod's an archetypical Antichrist figure uh, for us to understand out of prehistory to what to expect in the end time because they're trying to do what Satan tried to do in Isaiah 14 is, is to establish their throne in heaven. For Satan, I think, in this case. And so we have the knowledge and we have this mythical universal religion that has sway. And so prehistory helps us to understand Babylon. And we'll come back to a few other things about what prehistory will tell us about Babylon in, in a few minutes. So we want to talk, first of all, that this is a city. So no matter whatever anybody tries to sort of make Babylon into it, understand it's going to be a city and it's going to be a specific city. And, and in Revelation 18.10, it says, oh, great city, oh, Babylon, city of power. So it says it's a city twice in one line. But it's not the only verse that says Babylon is a city in the end time, in the book of Revelation. Back 14.8 in the summary of the last three and a half years, after the angel is the last to preach the gospel, after the 144,000, after the two witnesses are dead, then comes the angel to preach the gospel, and then comes the destruction of Babylon. After Antichrist comes to power and receives power from the ten kings that we talked about. It's the first major event of that summary of the last half, and that part of the start of the reign that we're told in Revelation 13 of Antichrist, which is three and a half years. And so it also shows up in Revelation 17:18 as a great city. Revelation also 18:2, 16, 18, 19, and 21. So a total of nine times in the book of Revelation, it says Babylon 
is a city. In Revelation 17:18, it says, The woman is a great city that rules over the kings of the earth. So don't let anybody reinvent what Babylon is. It's partly a city, and it's a great city, and it's the old, old city. And it needs to sort of fit all of the criteria. And it rules over the ten kings of the earth, which is why she rides the beast of empires, which is a Leviathan hydra type of creature that comes out of the Gentile sea. And in the occult, they call it the rise and the age of the Leviathan Empire, the Leviathan system. So if you hear those sort of coded words coming out of the spirit enemy, that's what they're referring to. Because they look at Leviathan as being a hydra, a dragon. And that's the dragon that comes up out of the sea. And Antichrist receives his power from. And we get told of this description of this empire in Revelation 13, Revelation 12, and in Revelation 17. So it's in perfect harmony. And it's using the same descriptions. And so Babylon is going to be the capital city of this seventh beast empire before Antichrist destroys it, before Antichrist makes his home at Jerusalem with the abomination, which he, he, I think he destroys Babylon shortly after the abomination. And Jerusalem will be the capital of the new religion that he introduces, that false prophet will have image set up to, and it's figuratively called Sodom uh, as their proud city of light on a hill. Um, and that's what Sodom and Gomorrah were thought of as cities on a hill, cities of light, cities of knowledge, cities of the giant cities of the mystical religion. And Sodom was destroyed like uh, the destruction of the end time. And so nothing is new under the sun. And you had Atlantis, which would be akin to Babylon City as being the capital of the Atlantean Empire that was destroyed in the first apocalypse by, by water. And that's why you have the transition in Luke for the days of Noah from the days of Noah to the days of Lot, because it's the same crimes that were going on in Sodom as what was going on before the flood, and the same crimes that will be going on in Jerusalem in the last three and a half years when it's trampled by the Gentiles. So this is the capital of the beast empire that's rising. Um, And so the only question gets to be is, which city is it? Well, the Old Testament helps us sort of fashion what the city is going to be about. And it gives us some allegories as we lead into who Babylon City is. And so we want to touch a little bit on that. So we have uh, the allegories with Revelation uh, is the first allegory in terms of the New Testament uh, prophecy of Revelation, and uh, we understand that as a relationship with Babel, as we've talked about, and with Babylon of the Babylon Empire, with Nebuchadnezzar, another Antichrist-type figure, and a lot of imagery that is going to be similar and reflected in, in the Babylon uh, religion and city of the end time. And so Isaiah talks about Babylon as well. Uh, and references Tyre and Babylon as its references. And so um, 
Babylon in, in you know, Isaiah 21, for example, talks about fallen is Babylon. And it's, a, it's a terrific matching sort of prophecy uh, for the book of Revelation. And then all that, and also in 47, uh, one, it talks about Babylon as being the virgin daughter of Babylon and the lady of kingdoms. And so a daughter of Babylon in the Old Testament is a branch religion of Nimrod's Babel, or maybe even a branch religion of Egypt, but you can make a good argument, and I do, and I think it's more accurate that Egypt is a branch of the Babel religion, but it's the Egyptian religion that sort of influenced most of the Mediterranean and a lot of the Magi type, uh, Zoroastrianism and Hinduism went east into the rest of the, the world into the Eastern world from, uh, from Babel. So uh, Isaiah talks about it, it as Tyr and Babylon, where I talk about it as Tyr is Isaiah 23. And that is a passage that I talked about in a chapter where it seems to be talking about a city of old, which was Atlantis, a city of that time, which was Tyr, that was a great trading nation. And it was talking uh, about a reference of some of the, details in Isaiah 23 for the end time of Babylon City. You also have uh, Jeremiah who references uh, Babylon as uh, the end time religion and city of Babylon, as actually Babylon. And then you have Zephaniah and Nahan who use Nineveh. And Nineveh was the capital of the beast empire, Assyria. And so all of these have a relationship to what Babylon will be like. And so when we look at um, Tyr, it talked about in Isaiah, uh, this was the trading and commerce empire of old. And we have Tyrus, who is a very famous character that is compared to Satan in Ezekiel 28, um, as as I would call more of a hail hell or a king of Babylon type character as opposed to, to Satan's Hail El. Um, Hail El is a allegory derivative of Hail El, and Hail El shows up in Isaiah 14, 12, where it says Lucifer in uh, the King James Version Bible. That should be translated as Hail El as one of the names, that I think, for, for Satan. And this is, a, this is a trading city that is there for to complete these empires. It is a great trading city in the time of Egypt. It is a great trading city in the time of Assyria. It is a great trading city in the time of Babylon, in the time of Persia, in the time of Greece, and in the time of Rome. And so it is a perfect allegory for this city that is going to be a trading uh, city, and it is going to control all of the trade in the world. And and so here in that destruction in Isaiah 23, when it's uh, linking in Atlantis, it's again we need to understand the connections of. Nothing, nothing is new under the sun. What was will be again. So just as you had that Atlantean world empire, after the flood you have all of the beast empires, and you have 
have this trading center that is was Atlantis in in the old world. So all of these um, all of this information um, is relevant to understanding end time Babylon. And so it will be the the uh, it will be the part of the seventh empire controlling the ten kings as part of that seventh empire dominated by Babylon and Revelation 11:24 talks about the mighty men and the oligarchs and the powerful men they're going to go rich off of Babylon and they're going to fornicate with Babylon they're going to be subservient to Babylon they're going to grow jealous of Babylon's wealth which is why they're going to give their power over the antichrist at the midpoint of the at the last 7 years and I think how Babylon is going to grow rich, not only by is it going to control the, the trade of the world, it is going to take a tribute or a value-added tax, some sort of royalty or commission on every transaction of every form throughout the world. That's how powerful it's going to be, and it's going to have significant wealth. And... Babylon will be the city of Nineveh, of Assyria, in many aspects. It will be the city of blood, as Nahum 3, 1 through 3 talks about. Babylon will have the blood of the saints on her hands, as Revelation 18 discusses. Babylon will be like Nineveh. Nineveh and Assyria were the most violent, bloodthirsty of the beast empires, doing horrible things uh, to the the prisoners that they would capture. Uh, I won't go into those gory details, but understand that this will be the city of blood in the end time. And so Babylon will persecute the saints as it's rising with its false prophets, into the last seven years, into the first three and a half years, and that persecution will then be taken over by Antichrist after the midpoint with all who are are, are left uh, and all who hold up the testimony of Jesus. Not all Christians are going to be raptured, and so some are going to have to earn their resurrection into mortality through the fire of the last three and a half years uh, by refusing to take the mark of the beast or worshiping Satan or worshiping Antichrist. So city of blood, it's going to persecute us. And that brings to mind Revelation 2.10 of 10 years of tribulation. So we should expect tribulation and uh, we should expect to be saved from the time of temptation. We should expect to be saved from the time of the wrath, but we should expect to go through tribulation. And the Bible tells us this in the New Testament many times that we will go through tribulation. So we should not be surprised that we will go through tribulation. If you think what we're seeing now with what is going on with Christians, it is nothing to what it's going to do. And we can look to China, we can look to India, to Uh, and Pakistan as to how Christians are being persecuted around the world and what happened in Syria is going to be part of the birth pangs that get stronger as we go. And so this will be also a city of knowledge and light as it has all the 
trappings of the mystical religion that we talked about, and it's going to seduce all, all of the nations and all of the kings of the world through magic spells, as the NIV talks about, or sorceries, as what the King James version, uh, King James version Bible talks about. And of course, that word sorcery is. Uh, has three different variants, all essentially meaning the same thing and used for different aspects of the same thing, which is pharmakia um, and also pharmacus and pharmacos, which is the root to pharmaceuticals. And so this is understood as sorcerers in the occult, just as the Rosicrucians and the Freemasons who created the Royal Society, the first location and center outside the Catholic Church to influence science and education. They called themselves as those creators, the last of the sorcerers and the first of the scientists. And so Babylon deceives the world through her sorceries, which is the alchemy of pharmakia. It is both legal and illegal in terms of drugs. It's prescribed and unprescribed drugs. And it's also magical spells, as you could um, describe that as well. So, or define that as well. So, we need to understand that Babylon will be working many different avenues, many different facets as this great city that controls the trade of the world. So, look for the oligarchs of the pharmaceuticals to become even stronger and in complete partnership with the government and with the religion of Babylon under false prophets begin to come out onto uh, the scene and start predicting contrived catastrophes to convert everybody in fear over to this Babylonian religion. And so Babylon um, will be very, very rich, very, very opulent, very, very flashy, jewels, gold, as the descriptions of Revelation 17 talks about. And again, reflecting the imagery of the beast empire of Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, that was the head of gold. And the opulence of Babylon and the hanging gardens of Babylon City, this city will be just as opulent, will be just as rich, will be just as powerful, probably even more powerful. And so... Babylon will also be a mystical religion, as we talked about. It's not likely to be something like in Islam. I mean, one can't imagine how in the first three and a half years of the last seven that Islam as a universal religion would permit the sacrifices on the wing of the mosque. It will take a greater religion to come about. holds all of the religions through deceptions um, and through Sufism, let's say, in Islam, or Kabbalism, Essenism, Sabianism, all the different forms of the Judaic mysticism, Gnosticism that's invaded Christianity. Those influences will be at work to fold it into this ancient universal religion, both before the flood and after the flood. Because nothing is new is under the sun. And we know it's a mystical religion because of some of the words that are used to describe um, Babylon is Babylon the Great, which is Greek word megas, And it means great in terms of the external form and appearance and in size and in age. So it's this ancient religion. 
as Megas would describe it. And uh, she's described also as a as a whore, which is G4205. Uh, that is uh, meaning prostitute or idolatry and also an allegory for Babylon and Rome. And Babylon and Rome in that allegory of, that's defined in G4205 um, <clears throat> calls Rome the chief, chief seat of idolatry in John's time. A woman as well, um, which is the Greek word gun, which is, um, uh, again, the mother religion and the daughter religions that shoot off of it around the world. And this is the same woman that's put in place in the book of Zechariah in Shinar or Babylon in Zechariah 5 by, by the two female angels. And Babylon, <coughs> excuse me, uh, comes from uh, Babel, which was the capital of Chaldea and Shinar, and allegorically, as it's defined in the New Testament for under Babylon G897, as an allegory for Rome. And in the time of the Essenes, in the time of John and before, during the complete Roman Empire, and with all of people in Judea, they would not speak of Rome directly if they weren't talking about Rome in a complimentary way. If they had anything that sort of diverse in terms of their religion, their power, their laws, uh, their mythos, they would use the word Babylon as a code. It was called a Pesher Code by, by the Essenes. And we see Peter using this in First Peter fifteen or First Peter five and verse thirteen, where he is writing a letter um, from the church that is in Babylon, and he is dated and set in Rome at that particular period of time. Harlot, uh, Greek word, porne, that means whore and harlot. So same thing as what was talked about before, and an idolater, uh, and the mother of harder of harlots. The uh, Magna Mater, as uh, Magus and Magna, Magna would be the Latin equivalent for Magus, and Mater means literally mother. So the Magna Mater of the Roman religions, uh, their queen of heaven, so to speak, is referencing the same thing here for the woman on, on the beast. And the abominations means idolatry and other filthy things and things that disgust God. You have mystery. It's called a mystery Babylon. It's a Greek word mysteria means hidden things, secrets, as in um, initiates and secret societies. And so it's an initiatory, oath-based religion, just as it was rooted in the worship of angels, particularly by the Essenes and the polytheist religions, and that this oath on Mount Hermon is the origination of the oath-based religions and the oath-based um, system that's coming. And so that uh, harem anathema, to carry it out to the end, no matter what the consequences is, this is a, going to be a trait of the end time with the oath-based system. And so this woman sits on many waters on many peoples, as Revelation 17:15 talks about, as a great city, 
uh, ruling the kings of the earth. So it's a universal religion. So all of these things and more, we could have spent more time on those on some of those definitions, speak to that it's going to be a mystical religion, Enochian mysticism. Same religion before the flood at Babel, all through the beast empires. It's going to be the same religion for the seventh empire. And so if we start to understand all of the details, it starts to make sense. And there's a passage in Hosea 2.13 and Ezekiel 23.36-46 where it talks about adultery and prostitution in terms of being uh, walking away from God and worshiping and honoring other gods. So, again, the complete terms of adultery and fornicating with uh, Babylon and um, being the harlot, all the different words that are allegorical in that description have this meaning that's defined in the Old Testament that tells us what type of religion it's going to be. So, for me, and we won't know until we see Babylon, um, I think we need to take... um, heed as to what the information is telling us about Babylon and not try to reimagine it into something that it's not. That's just let the Bible tell us what it's going to be and and listen uh, so that we don't get it wrong. Because if we get things wrong, we're going to lose our credibility. So we have to try and get it right. And we're going to lose our credibility just when the world and Christians need it need us the most so we need we need to get this right and so Babylon again in Revelation 18 is called a home for demons and every detestable kind of bird and is akin to what's being described in Isaiah 15 describing the destruction of end time Babylon and you get these detestable birds like Lilith in there, uh, the screech owl. You get dragons talked about. You get satyrs. You're getting seemingly descriptions of the spurious and rebellious pantheons and that this will be the home of these types of beings in the end time and even after its destruction. So again, we're being told what kind of religion it's going to be. It's going to be the religion of the fallen angels, the one that has been with us throughout the time, all time, and it will be the one, it's it's the religion that is centered at Mount Hermon and with the assembly of the gods on Mount Hermon, and as Psalms 82 talks about over the 70 nations, as Deuteronomy 32 talks about, both before and after the flood, that Satan sits above as the prince of this world. And only at the midpoint of the last seven years after Babylon is destroyed is this new religion, worshiping Antichrist and Satan uh, with the false prophet, going to be introduced when it's too late, after the time of deception, after the time of temptation that we're going to be saved from. And so Babylon is one of these places that were talked about in Revelation 18 that we're told to come out of. And one presumes to come out of so that we can be 
saved from the power of temptation that follows with the introduction of the mark of the beast. And so when we talk about um, the location of Rome, we get one very, very interesting passage uh, that shows up in Revelation 17, 19, or 17, 9, and it says, something to the effect of paraphrasing it. It has seven heads. There are seven kings and there are seven hills. It's not either or, it's both. So it's the seven kings of the empire that it controls and also sits on seven hills, which is going to point us to a location for end-time Babylon. And end-time Babylon is likely going to be in one of two cities when we look at it being an ancient city and we look at it as being a city where seven famous mountains are. And as we make a relationship between the seventh empire is rising out of the ashes of the old Roman empire, a connection that Constantinople has seven hills and Rome has seven hills. Um, And so you have two very, very, very possible candidates for who Babylon City might be, understanding Babylon as an allegory for this unnamed city that seems to be probably closer to Rome than Constantinople based on how the Jewish people understood the allegory of Babylon. And what's also interesting is, 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 is Latin, Italian, Etruscan, Roman history particularly in the Sibylline prophecies, understand the city of Rome as Babylon as well. So even the Roman Empire understood through the Sibylline prophecies that they venerated that uh, anti-Babylon was going, was going to be Rome. And is, as I said, it's, Rome is defined as well as the seat of idolatry as it's understood in the New Testament in the time of the disciples of Jesus. And so we have seven hills that are actually located in the city of Rome that kind of brings some historical reference to um, what we're talking about. And those seven hills are Palatine Hill, Apertine Hill, Caelian Hill, Capiline Hill, Esquiline Hill, Cornell Hill, and Veminal Hill. And note, what's on there in that list isn't Vatican Hill. In fact, Vatican is across the Vatican Hill, Vaticanus Hill, and an old Etruscan wasn't included until about 800 AD with an expansion of the city walls to to be inside of it. Um, And so if if we're looking at Catholicism to be Babylon, it may be an embryo for Babylon, but it's going to be so changed by these false prophets that are coming that it's going to be taken back to its to a polytheist root and back to um, inside the old city, back to the original seven hills, which Vaticanophil is a part of. But what's interesting is that Palatine Hill. Uh, was the hill was the home of the Sibylline prophecies and the Sibylline oracles. 
and that Vaticanophil was a branch of the Sibylline religious oracular religion that originally originated in Arcadia and in Greece that was brought back to Rome in the time of, of, of this icon that was brought back to Rome um, to be venerated in the time of Hammurabi. I cover that in, in, in the new book. We won't cover that today. We don't have time. But this was the uh, temple of the Phrygian of the Sibylle and the mother goddess that was located at Palatine Hill. And that Sibylle was called the Queen of Heaven and a daughter of Babylon. And Queen of Heaven shows up in the book of Jeremiah as a title for the major highest mother goddess. That was uh, having rituals and sacrifices done to them in the time of Jeremiah. And we get Inanna out of Sumeria that has the same title. But Isis was queen of heaven. There's many, many. Lilith is understood as the queen of heaven. And we mentioned that in relationship to the destruction of Babylon, of Lilith. But Inanna in Sumerian uh, has is a, is a compound word, and so it has nin meaning woman or lady, and Anna of heaven, or An of heaven, or Anu could also mean sky. So you have this name of Queen of Heaven is sort of known sort of first after the flood with Inanna as Queen of Heaven, but Astarach, Astarach, Astar, Ishtar, they were all queens of heaven. And so this Queen of Heaven, this woman that rides the beast, is going to sit in an ancient city on seven hills, and in her seat uh, that was placed in, I think, Palatine Hill, uh, because there was a seat of Sibylle there, and I think we're going to see that again, and I think we're going to see uh, um, this mother deity show up in a significant way that's going to prepare uh, for the false prophets, uh, and I think there's been a long foundation set down on this, but we're also being prepared today, I think, in a lot of cases, that the Holy Spirit is being feminized in preparation. I think there's a lot of uh, well-intentioned people and evil-intentioned people that are working this, uh, but it's part of the whole plan to deceive Christians into accepting Babylon. When Jesus talks about um, the affliction, which is the same word as used in, in uh, tribulation, um, and understand that in tribulation, um, in Matthew 24:21, when it talks about the great tribulation, which is the equivalent to Sarah at the time of trouble, uh, and Jeremiah's trouble in the last three and a half years, that word goes back to Philippians as well. And the cognate passage in Mark 13:19 um, is rooted in Greek Philippians, but it doesn't translate as tribulation, it translates it as affliction. So it's the same word as Jesus is using in Matthew 24 for this great tribulation or affliction that's going to be coming where we're going to be 
uh, offended, which is the Greek word uh, scandalizio, which means we're going to be seduced and led away into uh, uh, this religion, and those who do not go along with it, who are not part of the great apostasia that is talked about in 2 Thessalonians 2, that happens before Antichrist is revealed, we're going to be killed. And in cognate verses in Mark, in Mark and in Luke, we're going to have wisdom provided for us by the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, and that we're going to testify before the world, but they're going to kill us for that. So we're going to go through tribulations, and we need to be prepared that Babylon is the city of blood. And that this ancient religion is, is coming back. And Babylon is much more than a country. Babylon will rule the world. And their vassal ten kings of the empire will carry out her wishes. And Babylon is the glue that comes along to bring about the world government through these ten kings. And as the birth pangs and the sorrows continue, you're going to see more turmoil. You're going to see geopolitical games going on. You see that with what China is doing. You see that with what Russia is doing. You see that with what the Europeans are doing and the U.S. is doing. This is going to become worldwide. There's going to be a rise of a different kind of new world order than what the Europeans are imagining because Older bloodlines and other bloodlines are not going to su- not going to submit to what the European bloodlines envision in the New World Order. So they want a larger role, and they're going to take a larger role. And I think we're seeing an alliance that's forming in the East that will ensure that it is a completely different look to this New World Order than what the Europeans have imagined. And it's hard to believe the U.S. will continue to be the attack dog for the Europeans when they don't put up their money, they don't put up their soldiers. Eventually, this comes to an end, and we're going to see some wars that break out. People are going to think it's like Armageddon. It's going to get so bad, but it's just part of the birth sorrows, Um, and not even the seals, because the seal judgment is 25% destruction. And the kings at that time think that that war is so bad that they're going to hide in caves and call it the day of the Lord, but it's still not. There's still getting stronger as that comes through. So there's going to be a lot of ways we become deceived. Um, but look for false prophets that come out in favor of Babylon and describe the ones who have initiated them. And it will be a Mary-like apparition, I think, or something like that, just as the Medjugorje visions of Mary describe her as the woman in, in Revelation 12. And they've been initiated to come out at a set date, set dates, I should say, with 10 prophetic catastrophes that they will come out and say, if the world does not convert, this great catastrophe will happen. And there are 10. And if, they don't, and if the world doesn't convert by the 10th, and the world, everybody on earth will be white from the face of the earth. So look for fear to come to gather people together, just as I think the giants outside Babel City were the fear that brought 
Noahites together and under the Babel religion under an Antichrist figure then. And just as giants and bloodlines of giants as we see today, I, just as we've had those involved with beast empires past and before the flood, we're going to see that influence as well. And it will be part of these of the uh, influence of, of Babylon with the bloodlines controlling that religion. So that's Babylon. It's more than a city. And it is a city. It's a religion. It's a geopolitical organization. And it's an economic and commerce juggernaut that is going to take over every aspect of what we have and is going to make the way for Antichrist to come about. But look for those false prophets first. That's the key. And they have to scare people into converting. So that's my presentation for the night. And uh, I thank you for listening to me. And hopefully you've enjoyed uh, my take on who Babylon is. Powerful, powerful. Praise God. Thank you so much, Gary, for joining us tonight. Again, you can get all all this information and a lot more, and I do highly recommend buying the book. I can tell you that I gave that book. I bought it for a friend of mine who was in a facility for a while with a lot of, lot of people, uh, and that book moved through that facility like a wildfire, and everybody read it from cover to cover. So it's very, very popular and just absolutely jam-packed with incredible information that you can dig into and verify and um, – you know, it's just it's it's just un, unimpeachable in some of the deepest work that I've ever run across. So, uh, and we're all very excited about the next uh, the next book that's coming out that to uh, to kind of you know tie a ribbon on this uh, you know very complex, uh, uh, but nevertheless um, uh, very thoroughly researched uh, uh, information. And we just praise God that you take the time to come and join us and and to give us a you know a high level taste of, of of the different parts of it so that it helps the reader to be able to stitch it together a little bit more easier, uh, especially as they go into the second part of it. So again, Genesis6Conspiracy.com. Genesis6Conspiracy.com is the website for Gary's work. And you can see all the chapters. You can get snippets from the book. You can do a lot of digging here. There's uh, opportunity to research and learn way more uh, than, than uh, other authors take the time to, uh, you know, to, to, to give you the information to do. So thank you so much, Gary, for joining us tonight. God bless Bless you, brother. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. We always look forward to you joining us. And uh, take care, everybody. We will see you Wednesday uh, at 7 p.m., Lord willing. And uh, I have no idea what we're doing on Wednesday at 7 p.m. So anyway, <laughs> so anyway, enjoy the 4th of July for those of you who are, who are in the United States. And uh, for the rest of you, uh, if you're in Europe or France or Belgium or Switzerland or uh, Germany or whatever, Lie low. Stay in the house. <laughs> and it's very pretty over there right now. Anyway, God bless you all. Hang in there. Prayers, prayers, prayers every single day for all of the lost people out there. That's what we need more than anything else. Thank you, Gary. God bless you for joining us. We'll see you all Wednesday at 7 p.m., Lord willing.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.